Have you ever seen anybody play the game called soccer? Welcome, everyone, to the Yankee Wankers football podcast, part of the Sports Pros Network, where we're always talking sports, so let's start the conversation. I'm your host, Keith Needham, and I'm joined today by my co-host and resident hooligans, Barrett Hartman and Clayton McKinney, both guys out there on the interwebs today due to the weather, but uh, guys, how are we doing this afternoon? Doing all right, just a little chilly. Doing better than uh, Neymar's hip. Yeah, yeah, we'll talk about Neymar going to be missing. Champions League is upon us, boys, so it's kind of crazy. It kind of snuck up on me, to be honest with you. Obviously, you go over the uh, the long break uh, in between the group stages and the knockout rounds, but uh, we'll get to kick that back off next week, uh, Tuesday, Wednesday, and then uh, Clayton, for us, I mean, Man- or Manchester United will be playing in Europa League on Thursdays again, so yay, we got that to, <laughs> got that to look forward to. Uh, but we got that. We got FA Cup. You know, a fifth round uh, a draws, uh, or fifth round recap, I should say, in the quarterfinal draws just happened. We'll talk about that. Uh, we'll recap the EPL action from last week and then obviously look ahead uh, to what we uh, expect to happen this weekend. Be match week 24, boys. So, man, we're we're, we're blowing through it, man. We're almost two-thirds of the way through it. It always goes by too fast. But as always, gentlemen, before we get into the hot footy talk, we've got to show some love to our favorite sponsor uh, and our favorite sports bar, and, of course, that's Chalk Sports Bar. Now, everybody knows about Chalk, right? 1324 West Memorial Road there at Chisholm Creek Plaza. Uh, you can follow Ben, Chad, and the whole Chalk team on the web at ChalkOKC.com or follow them on Twitter and Instagram at ChalkOKC. Again, always a fantastic spot for brunch on the weekends, either Saturday or Sunday, uh, to get some good food and uh, maybe a mimosa or two or whatever you uh, choose to partake there and watch some of the EPL action. Uh, but, you know, also, we've talked about it on some of the sister pods, guys. You know, you know we're doing our Eat more chalk, play more golf contest, uh, obviously with the YSO pod with our man Jay Till. Um, now, obviously a tough week to do that this week, given the uh, the blizzard-like conditions that we're do- enduring here in Oklahoma City. But uh, up until March 31st, go play a round of golf, bring in your scorecard, write YSO, Sports Pros Network, something to let your server know uh, that you are a friend of the pod. You'll get half off your burger, half off your sandwich, and you'll also be entered into a drawing from Masters, a table for four, I should say, uh, at chalk in 200 bucks. Uh, for Master Sunday, so so looking forward to that here. And in the the goal, boys, I think I think the month of May may be the uh, soccer slash footy month. Uh, so so we've got some big plans in the works with our friends at Chalk uh, coming up in the uh, the weeks and months to come here. So well, guys, let's get into it. Uh, let's start off with FA Cup. So we had FA Cup fifth round recap. Clayton, I'll, I'll throw it to you. Uh, Manchester United. We, we, we won, right? So we're moving on uh, to the uh, to the quarterfinals. Obviously, the draw came out. Uh, we're going to be facing Leicester City. Uh, but your thoughts on United? Again, kind of a scrappy performance. United dominated possession on Tuesday against West Ham. Uh, but it took McSauce uh, coming in in extra time to finish that thing off 1-0. But your thoughts on United's performance? Yeah, I mean, it, it was something that, you know, some of the reserves needed to come in and finish that game off or kill that game off. Um you know, it's kind of disappointing that they couldn't do it. Of course, you know, you have kind of more of the storyline with Van de Beek not being able to kind of, you know, find his place in the starting 11. But when he's when he's called upon, he hasn't done much either um, with this with the squad, with the reserves going into this FA Cup match. Um, I, I wasn't able to watch the game, but I can tell you that, um, you know, I was able to watch the last half ex- of extra time. Um, but I mean, 
it's kind of, it's unfortunate that we had to bring in some of the, you know, bigger guys to come in and kind of kill that game off. I was hoping more or less, you know, the reserves could do it. But again, um, I mean, West Ham were throwing out their best, uh, best 11 out there. So, I mean, it was a little bit difficult, but at the same time you play for United, we don't have that many injuries right now. You got to be able to go out and to perform if, if you want a starting 11 spot. So, um, I mean, that's all my thoughts on that game. It's just kind of disappointing that, you know, the reserves couldn't uh, get the job done. Yeah, it, it was a cold, cold night uh, there at Old Trafford, kind of a snowflakes and snow flurries going on. It's really cold here in Oklahoma City right now this week, but it's uh, really cold in uh, uh, England as well. But, uh, you know, Barrett, I want to get your thoughts on, on perhaps what was the most entertaining uh, uh, match of the FA Cup fifth round, that being Everton 5 Spurs four, I mean, nine goals, right? And this thing went to extra time as well. I mean, it, it was it was fun from a neutral perspective, at least. I don't know if it was great football, uh, but anytime you see nine goals in a match, that, that's kind of fun, right? Yeah, I mean, obviously an up-and-down game creating, you know, with that many good chances created, uh, which is really not what you expect when you tune in to watch a Spurs game, right? You, you think they're going to, you know, be very tight, not give up a lot of chances and look to attack on the counter unless they're playing just a bottom feeder or somebody, which obviously Everton's not this year. Um, two goals from Richarlison, both of them just very, very clinical, man. Uh, you know, going far post, uh, I think one of them even kind of in off the post, uh, just perfect shot placement by that guy. And he's kind of one of those head case guys, right. Where you you just never know what you're going to get. I mean, he has the ability uh, for those, you know, top class finishes, but he also has the ability to just sky everything over the bar or, you know, miss 20 yards wide or whatever. And, uh, just kind of goes through those spells from time to time, but uh, man, when he's on, he's on. The probably the most interesting thing for me was was maybe one of the uh, the post match uh, comments from Mourinho. Uh, Spurs will never play open again. <laughs> so they play a wide open game, they lose five four. But look, you know, playing with that kind of classic Mourinho structure hadn't been working for him anyway. Right. I mean, if you're going to lose, at least make it entertaining for the fans. So a little, a little disappointed in uh, Jose there. Yeah. How dare they entertain. Right. So we'll never play open again. Now he had some pointed remarks or at least maybe some contrasting or contradictory remarks, I should say, uh, relating to Gareth Bell. Again, Gareth Bell uh, didn't really make an appearance. He's always asked about, Hey, why didn't you bring him off the bench? So, and and he's like, Hey, look, he, he had an injury. And then you go back and look at uh, Gareth Bell's uh, Instagram feed and hey had a great session the day before I'm ready to go and so there, there's definitely something going on behind the scenes there between Jose and Gareth Bell and again seems to be par for the course right he, he takes a new uh, job he goes after one of the superstar players for whatever reason we saw it with Paul Pogba at Manchester United uh, before this stop but uh, always seems to be picking at uh, one of his uh, star players but um, yeah I mean that, that, that is an, an interesting comment though Barrett that's good stuff we'll never play open again it's like well I mean playing the other way is not getting you a whole lot of points here recently as well in, in Everton I mean, kudos to them. They're playing good football right now. We'll talk about them and, and you know how they broke our hearts this weekend from a Manchester United perspective, Clayton. But uh, other um, the other uh, matches that are filling out the quarterfinals, obviously we, we spoke about it. Leicester will host Manchester United. Everton will move on. They're going to be hosting uh, Pep Guardiola's Manchester City, who has set a record with a 15th straight win in all competitions uh, for an English club. They a dispatch of Swansea City quite easily 3-1. to one. Second tier Bournemouth, uh, they're going to be hosting uh, Southampton. Ooh, uh, Southampton beat uh, Wolves uh, just earlier this afternoon before we got ready to do the pod here, 2-0. Uh, and then Chelsea will be hosting uh, Sheffield United to kind of round out the final eight there. But, you know, you would have hey, to assume that City's the favorite, right, guys? 
Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, they're, they're the favorite in any, any competition they're in at this point, um, just the way they're playing that role they're on. I mean, maybe in Champions League, just depending on the draw, if they catch, you know, a draw against Bayern or somebody, maybe it's debatable. But, you know, other than that, yeah, City's always the favorite. Yeah, but should be uh, should be a fun fun draw out here, right? So I'm kind of excited about this. Obviously, you get Leicester in Manchester United, and then Everton and City. Uh, that's going to be fun there. The, those two matches. I'm I'm kind of excited to see how that plays out. You you would anticipate that uh, Chelsea is going to find a way to make it into the semifinals, and then obviously uh, Southampton will be favored over uh, Bournemouth as well. So, uh, and those matches will be played uh, over the weekend of March or over the week of March 20th, I believe, guys. So we got about five weeks, six weeks to go before we get there, uh, but it'll be here before we know it. So, well, guys, let's recap the matches from match week, um, I guess 22 slash 23, depending upon where you're at. Obviously, COVID's got a bunch of games rescheduled here for us, but, um, you know, Barrett, I, I think we we have to start with you, right, and, and have to start with your squad uh, with regards to um, what happened on Sunday uh Manchester City, Liverpool, I mean, kind of give us the rundown here. Obviously, you know, a, a third consecutive loss at Anfield by Liverpool here. You know, it looked like maybe they were going to be in it early on, and then, man, the second half was just a was just a, a different different game. Yeah, and, you know, anybody that watches the Premier League, you know, had City winning this or, you know, possibly a draw, but, but definitely City being the favorite. You know, I predicted it 2-0 for City, so – you know, the, the, the end result, not really a surprise. Um, but despite the 4-1 scoreline, I was, I don't know, it feels weird to say, I was I was somewhat content after watching the game. Um, you know, first off, the, you know, the elephant in the room, Allison's two big mistakes. Um, he just gifted City two goals, right? So take those out of the, out of the equation. It's a 2-1 game, you know, very hard fought. So you kind of expect that against city. So um, yeah, take those two blunders out from a world-class keeper that just completely lost his mind over the course of about, I don't know, 10, 15 minutes. And uh, it was a really tight game. Um, so, you know, other than that, Liverpool actually was, I felt on the front foot a little bit more than city. If you look at the stats, Liverpool had 55% of the ball. Um, they outshot city eight to seven and keep in mind, two of those city shots were the goals that Allison gifted them. So, again, if we're taking those out of the equation, eight to five shooting stats. So, you know, Liverpool kind of dom- dominated those kind of main stats. Uh, Sadio Mane had a couple of good chances early. He just couldn't get them on target. Uh, Firmino forces a good save out of Ederson in the first half. And then C- City draw that PK, um, you know, uh, off of uh, Fabinho. And then Gundogan skies, skies it over the bar, yeah, yeah. which which is uh, I don't know, it's kind of a concerning trend with City. Kind of an interesting point. Uh, Pep even mentioned that uh, he might have to go to Ederson to take penalties going forward, which, uh, or at least until Crazy. De Bruyne gets back, uh, I guess in training he's kind of automatic on him, uh, from what I've heard. So be interesting to see if he actually does that. Now the risk, obviously, uh, if he, you know, misses one, it remains in play, then potential counter with no keeper back there. So it'd be interesting to see if Pep's got the balls to do it. Yeah, he is. He has been known for uh, being able to take PKs. Uh, he, they, they talk about him in, in training and his ability to do that. But I, I'm with you, Barrett. I mean, I, you know, 4-1 certainly flattered Manchester City from a scoreline standpoint. Again, maybe they deserve to get the win. But, you know, you talk about sure. the two keeper mistakes. I mean, yeah, I mean, those are – 
inexplicable, certainly from a guy like Allison, who's been so so sure, so steady back there ever since Liverpool yeah. kind of brought him in, what, two, two three years ago now, right? So so definitely yeah. uh, out of out of character for Allison. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I mean, you, you don't expect one of those mistakes in a, in a season, much less two of them in the same game. So, uh, you know, for now, we'll just chalk it up as the guy lost his mind for 15 minutes uh, until it becomes a, a pattern. But, um, you know, I never really have liked the, uh, I don't know, the style that, that uh, Allison uh, plays with the ball at his feet, right? He doesn't just pick it up and punt it long. He'll dribble around guys, try to, you know, kind of make something happen there. And, you know, it's Klopp style too. So, I mean, he, he, he fits the mold that Jurgen likes, but man, it just makes me nervous every time he does it. And uh, yeah, sure. Sure. Uh, showed up to bite him this week, but again, uh, two mistakes against a team like city and they're going to make you pay every time. Yeah, definitely part of the Brazilian goalkeeper kind of flair, right? So they, they want to prove that they're footballers and that they're just as good with their feet as well. But, you know, Clayton, I'll throw it to you. I want to get your thoughts on this because obviously this was the biggest match of the weekend. Uh, you know, your thoughts on, on City. I mean, from a Manchester United perspective, it was kind of a weird moment, right? Because we were actually kind of pulling for Liverpool here. <laughs> we needed we needed to kind of close the gap here. But uh looked like they were going to be in it and have a chance, especially after Mo Salah's uh, penalty there in the 63rd minute to kind of tie it up. But then, as, as Barrett mentioned, the mistakes – uh, kind of compounded on themselves and, and City go through. And, you know, they're they're clear at the top of the table with a game in hand now. I mean, the question, you know, I'll, I'll throw to you, is is this just going to be a three-month coronation of Manchester City uh, until, until we get to May? All I have to say is I hope not. Um, <laughs> again, I pray and pray that they drop points somewhere, lose a game. Um, but that also takes um, some effort from United and or Leicester to kind of pick up the slack there too. So, I mean, um, I mean, you got to, at this point, you got to win every game. Um, you can't have very many slip-ups, uh, especially with City going at the pace that they're going right now and controlling the table, I would say. I mean, they are five points clear, but I do have that game in hand, which could be an easy, you know, eight points clear. Um it, it, it'll take something kind of miraculous to do it. But, you know, if City does slip up, you know, either Leicester or United could definitely make a run at the title. But uh, that's a definite maybe. Yes, and, sir. You know, I'll throw in their next four Premier League games, um, Spurs, Everton, Arsenal, and West Ham. So, look, games you expect them to win and get the points from. But, you know, squads that do have some quality and could sneak up and bite them. So, I think we'll know by the end of the month. Yeah, I agree. I think that's a great point too, Barrett, is that they've, they've kind of been in the doldrums to a certain degree, you know, with their schedule. You know, we think about this 15-game winning streak. Now, taking nothing away from what they were able to do at Anfield this Sunday, I mean, that, that's obviously not a not a, <laughs> a pushover there. That's a tough pl- tough place to go win and get a result. Uh, but you're right in that they've been playing a lot of Sheffields and, and West Broms and, and teams like that uh, here and kind of padding some stats, which, which is what good teams do, right? So we've talked about that in terms of, you know, what they've been able to do, kind of getting out and pouncing on these smaller teams teams in the first, you know, 10, 15 minutes. Uh, and so credit to them for, for actually going out and getting the three points in all those matches. Certain, certainly something that uh, that United and, and Liverpool this year have kind of struggled struggled with whenever they played teams from the bottom uh, side of the table. But, but, you know, Clayton, I'll stay with you here. Let's talk about Manchester United. A, a game against Everton at home, 
they absolutely dominated the first half. They were up 2-0, looked to be on cruise control, and then a five-minute span early in the second half, you blink your eye, and holy shit, it's tied up 2-2. They fight back to get the lead, and then they they, they, they break our hearts literally with the last kick of the game. Dominic Calvert-Lewin scrambling to kind of get a scrappy goal therein off a hoof from essentially half you know, midfield. But your thoughts on this, incredibly frustrating from a United fan perspective, right? Oh, yeah. I mean, talk about a story of being in control of the game this, and then just shitting the bed at the very end. Um, I was right in the fact that United would take the game to Everton, and it, re- it really paid off. I mean, they were out there attacking, got two goals. You know, I thought Aaron Juan Basaka and Luke Shaw were extremely helpful in the attacking third. I mean, they provided, you know, the width and support in the attack. Uh, Mason, Re- Mason Greenwood did really well in taking on defenders, creating space for himself. Um, you know, even Rashford, Rashford had a couple good crosses, one finding the head of Cavani for the first, and then Bruno had a great goal from, you know, set piece range. It looked like he was taking a set piece from there. But um, and then in the second half, you know, McSauce getting a, a little glancing header off and, you know, putting it into the bottom right-hand corner there. Um, but, you know, I thought we could have finished off a lot more chances. I mean, it you, you, you would have never known that this would have happened, but you should have finished off your chances that you had and put this game away a long time ago. But now defensively, um, you know, as, you know, Luke Shaw and Aaron Wan-Bissaka have been, you know, they were pushing up the whole game into the attack. I mean, that was always the avenue for, you know, an Everton counterattack. I mean, the lack of, the lack of concentration, uh, not being able to get back in time either. Um, you know, kind of being overrun in the midfield on those counters really was a problem. I mean, not even just, you know, this type of game. It was also, it's been something like that, you know, for the whole year, basically. We just find ways to lose concentration and, you know, people just score on us. Um, You know, for instance, um, you have Thomas Rodriguez sitting in the middle of the field for one of the goals there just to kind of, you know, softly take it down and then have a shot at goal uh, with, you know, hardly any pressure going towards him. Um, As far as De Gea, uh, (laughs) the first goal, absolutely a no-no. When you, when you, when you bury something or parry something away like that, never, never in the middle of the field. That's, that's defending your goal one-on-one right there. If anything, push it back to where it came from. I mean, Push it out for a corner, you know, save it for something else. And then, you know, towards the last end of – or towards the end of the game there with that uh, foul by – I think it was Chuan Zabi that came in late to kind of, you know, seal the deal and, you know, try to get the three points. But, you know, you could blame Chuan Zabi for going in on that tackle, you know. But at the same time, you got to be able to defend a 40, 45-yard uh, free kick – and then, you know, De Gea not coming off of his line. Um, I don't think he was aggressive in that part. But, I mean, at the same time, those defenders need to be able to kind of deal with that 40, 40 to 50-yard ball coming in. I mean, it was just kind of unacceptable at that point. Um, it went from three points to one point. At least we got one point out of it. But, yeah, that second half was uh, not the best uh, half we've played this year. Yeah, definitely points dropped from a United perspective. And, and you talk about De Gea. 
uh, you know, the, those those two individual, you know, mistakes, brain farts. And, and the first one, I, I agree with you with uh, uh, DeCurray's goal. I mean, that was just a, that was a bad mistake. That shouldn't have happened. The, sec- the, the third goal, right, the, the goal that Calvert-Lewin got with the last kick of the game that tied it up, you know, maybe he should he probably should have been more aggressive to come off his line. You know, McGuire and a couple other guys were slow. But, you know, Barrett, th- this from a – Liverpool perspective, and again, I won't call you a neutral here because this was Manchester United and Everton. You were just rooting for a comet to hit the stadium, probably, if I had to guess. But, but you know, we, we keep talking about from a United perspective, once a month it kind of feels like De Gea just has an absolute, you know, howler of a game and ends up costing United points. You know, obviously they didn't lose the game this time, uh, but those two, you know, mistakes, and again, the third one is, is a little bit subjective, uh, but at what point in time, you know, do, do, do United perhaps make a move and bring in Dean Henderson to, to be the new number one? Well, I mean, he's been doing this for the last two or three years, right? I mean, it's nothing new. Um, last year, you know, you, you watch him make all these mistakes and well, okay. Dean Henderson's over at Sheffield, right? You can't replace him. He's comfortable in his job, but I don't know why it's taken so long. I think, uh, I think at this point, I think Henderson's a better keeper. Um, I don't know why he's not getting more game time. Yeah, and Henderson started uh, on Tuesday against West Ham in the FA Cup, and and really he wasn't asked to do a whole lot. I mean, so you know, right. I, I don't know if you can judge him by that performance there. Although what little he was asked to do, he did fine. But but you're right. I mean, you think about. I mean, I don't know. I can't recall Barrett a match that De Gea has had in the last six, seven. You know, certainly this season. Now and and again, memory. It's always. Uh, getting getting a little worse with each passing year yeah. now as I get older, but I just can't recall a match that he had a tremendous performance. You think, my goodness, he is a fantastic keeper. Yeah. He he earned he earned his three points here today, right? So he was the difference yeah, in yeah. the match. Whereas you you I can recall at least half a dozen on the other side to where he was the difference in the match on the wrong end. Right, and you can point to those uh, same difference maker scenarios. You know, for the from the positive aspect for Henderson. I mean he. He played every game last year for Sheffield, or or at least nearly every game. And if you recall last season, I mean, Sheffield, they were in the top four for a while, and they were certainly in the Europa League places up until the last couple of weeks of the season. So, you know, what what changed? What was the biggest difference for them? Uh, I'm not going to say he's the biggest difference, but he's a big part of what's going wrong down at Sheffield. No, I think that's fair. It's a good point. I mean, you're right. And yeah. Sheffield, they, they've kind of come on here lately. The, the last, what, three or four matches, they've been a little more spry. Obviously, they, they beat Manchester United at Old Trafford a couple of weeks ago and had a, had a solid performance against Manchester City in a 1-0 losing effort. So they seem to be coming around. But I, I think you're right. I mean, he he made a big difference. And obviously, uh, you know, them finishing, what, ninth or tenth in the table, whatever it was last year versus where they're at now, uh, I think part of it can be attributed to uh, the fact that Henderson's no longer there. But, you know, finishing off the weekend, uh, those are obviously the two big matches, not just because those are our two clubs, but uh, there are a lot of other matches that necessarily uh, not not a lot of top six or, or, or top uh, of the table uh, uh, intra matches there this past weekend. But Aston Villa over Arsenal 1-0. Ollie Watkins uh, gets a goal in the second minute, and that was all there was in that one. Burnley and Brighton uh, uh, share the points 1-1. Newcastle, in what was an uh, intriguing was- match from a neutral perspective? 3-2, you had red cards, you had Minamino, right? So he, he scores a goal on his debut yeah. for, for the Saints. Barrett, your thoughts on that one? You know, it, it's that, uh, I mean, it's good to see the guy succeed. He, he obviously wasn't getting the run out in Liverpool. Um, and as we mentioned, I think it was last week, uh, Jurgen came out and said it's just his size. He's so small. He doesn't want to play him in, in that kind of that, uh, you know, center forward role with his size. And, of course, he's not going to displace uh, Mane or Salah. So just where does he fit in? So it's good to see him getting game time. And obviously he's got quality. I mean, he scores in his first uh 30 minutes for Southampton. 
And uh, it's always nice uh, from a Liverpool perspective when you can give Southampton a piece that produces, uh, given all the pieces we've taken that's back right. the other way. Yeah, so, yeah that, that's been a one-way street for yeah. the last 10 years. <laughs> yeah, yeah. now we got Danny Ings and uh, Minamino over there. Maybe we'll, you know, generate some goodwill. So then, you know, who knows? Maybe we'll go after James Ward-Prowse or something this summer. There you go. Yeah, yeah mighty, mighty kind of you there, uh, Dan Fieldberry. <laughs> but uh, uh, West Ham United, Fulham, that London Derby ends up in a nil-nil. Thomas Suchek gets a red card uh, in the uh, pretty much towards the very end of the match, which I think was it was later rescinded, I think, right, guys? Correct. Yeah. Yeah. So he's, Uh, he's available this week. Yeah. Yeah. He he was turning to pivot on a a set piece and his elbow caught somebody, you know, in the head. I mean, not intentional at all. He's, he's trying to turn to make a run and the guy's face just got in the way. And I I don't know, I don't know how that ended up being a red card in the first place, but good to see the uh, premier league rescinding it. So we didn't have to uh, sort of a three-match ban on top of the ridiculous sending off. That's right. Made made a difference uh, for Suchek moving forward and for the uh, for the Hammers, but uh, obviously screwed you from a fantasy perspective this weekend. So, <laughs> yep, uh, yep. <laughs> That's all right. I've, I think I've uh, done more good than harm with Suchek. In You're my absolutely lineup. right. So you got got to keep keep riding with him. So. Yeah. Uh, Spurs uh, 2-0 over West Brom. The triumphant return of, of Prince Harold of Kane. Uh, he gets a goal in the 54th minute. Son gets one shortly one or gets one one shortly thereafter in the 58th minute. Wolves and Leicester 0-0 draw there. And then Chelsea over Sheffield uh, 2-1. Uh, Sheffield's goal being a, an own goal by uh, Antonio Rudiger. And then Leeds. Clayton. Good fan, good Bamford was back. So uh, Leeds hey, 2-0 well. over Crystal Palace on, on Monday, bud. So your thoughts on that one? Yeah, it was good to see him back. I mean, like he's been he's been dangerous, more and more dangerous this uh, these past couple of weeks. Trying to get, I don't know. I I, I think it's uh, at a point where he kind of just needed to settle down a little bit. Um, maybe the pace of the Premier League. He's probably got you know more of an eye for it now to kind of settle in and actually, you know, make chances and you know finish them. Um, obviously, and then you know it's good to see Jack Harrison also on the score sheet too. I know he's been kind of one of those guys that's been cold as far as, you know, goal scoring and assists. But um, I know he had that one beauty uh, against Liverpool. I think it was the first game of the season where he just took it down and went right through him and scored. But, um, yeah, it's good to see him from um, New York City FC to come out and be uh, be a threat in the Premier League. That's just that's just fun to see. Absolutely. You talk about making it easier for Bamford and the rest of the squad to settle in whenever Harrison gets a goal in the third minute. Uh, certainly uh, helps you uh, settle in there whenever you have an, a lead early on. And Crystal Palace, uh, again, they they continue to kind of kind of struggle a little bit right now. So we'll have to keep an eye on them. Uh, they're headed in the wrong direction. But you know, let's take a look at the table, boys. So again, we mentioned it. It's most squads have got 23 games under their belt. You have Everton and uh, Aston Villa with 21. I think this coming week. Um, you, you'll have some of those squads starting to, to play their makeup matches here to kind of play catch-up uh, here to, to get up to 23, 24 matches uh, over the next week or so. But, you know, Barrett, I'll, I'll start with you. I mean, I asked Clayton the same same question. He said, I hope not. But are we looking at a three-month coronation of Manchester City? You know, does anyone have a chance of catching them there over the next 90 to 100 days? I mean, the, the only team that's going to beat City is City. And, uh, you know, they've gone through that dry spell, uh, you know, kind of, I'm not going to say poor form, but, you know, mediocre form early in the season and overcame it. I don't think they're going to go through another period like that in the same season. I think the rest of the league kind of treaded water and allowed City to hang around, and that was the death sentence. I think it's over. Um, Really, the only conversation is who locks into those, you know, second, third, and fourth slots. Mm. Um, You know, 
if you look at United in second versus uh, Villa in ninth, it's a 10-point difference. And those bottom three teams there, Everton, Spurs, and Villa all have games in hand. So, uh, you know, could be six, seven points uh, separating 10th from second. So those spots are going to be wide open. At the end of the day, I got to think the quality of United and Liverpool went out and they finished two, three, and, you know, one order or the other. Uh, then that last spot is going to be just crazy interesting those last three or four uh, match weeks. Um, you got to think it comes down to Leicester, Chelsea, and Spurs, but uh, I don't know. I think it'd be a lot of fun to see somebody like a, a West Ham uh, or an Aston Villa in Europe. I would say Everton, but, you know, Everton sucks. That's right. You know, and maybe maybe David Moyes doesn't get the credit he deserves, right? So the, the success that he's having down there with West Ham uh, this season, you, you mentioned it. You know, they're right there at sixth in the table. They're thirty nine points. Uh, they're they're really they're one point behind Liverpool. They're at forty and fourth. And so uh, you know Thomas Tuchel obviously seems to be it was a slow start, right? So they had that nil nil draw coming out in his debut, uh, but they kind of seem to be figuring some things out now. So they're all the way up to fifth. Uh, they're on thirty nine points as well. Uh, but uh, you know your thoughts on it, Clayton? So I I, I tend to agree with both you guys. I mean, it's City's race to lose at this point, and none of us expect them to lose it. Uh, but how would you rank two, three, four, and then maybe five and six for those uh, Europa spots? Uh, it's going to be interesting. I mean, it, it all the it all depends on kind of Leicester, United, Liverpool to kind of grab those spots um, as they seem fit. But, I mean, you also – I mean, Chelsea's one point behind. So is West Ham. Um, I mean, those are those are two clubs that could easily jump into the top four if, if they really want to. But um, I mean, it, it'd be interesting to see Aston Villa get up there as well. They're not that far off with the game in hand, um, with four points behind. Um, it, it's definitely going to be a race. It's going to be interesting to see. I mean, every game from here on out is going to be uh, going to be something to watch and monitor um, as this as this um, as this league continues. I mean. Like you said, Barrett, I think, you know, at the end of the month, we'll finally determine, you know, who might be the champion or who might not be um, or whoever's going to be in Europe. So it's going to be cutthroat for the rest of the season. That's for sure. Well, guys, let me let me throw it to the other end of the table here. Obviously, Sheffield, West Brom, and Fulham, you know, way behind everybody else. Fulham in 18th right now on the table, but they're eight points adrift from 17th place Burnley. Any chance that anybody else kind of creeps into that relegation zone, or is that the three teams that will be going down in May? No, those are the three going down. Um, you know, the form Burnley is, has had recently. Um, even Newcastle um, has won a couple of games recently. Yeah, yep. Um, so I, I think that gap at, at eight points between 17 and 18, it's just too big a hill to climb at this point. Burnley is going to keep, you know, slowly adding points to their, t uh, total. I, I just don't see how, you know, Fulham's gotten 15 points in 22 matches. I don't see how they're going to get another 15, uh, to stay up in the last 16. Clayton, you agree? Yeah, I do. I mean, even, I mean, Brighton, they, they dug themselves out with two huge victories. I mean, that, that was massive for them to kind of get some breathing room there, and hopefully they can kind of stay up as well. But at the same time, I wish they would fall so we can, you know, pick up some of those players on the cheap, like uh, Tariq Lamptey or something. But, you know, <laughs> that's, right. that's just me. 
<laughs> yeah, self-interested there to see some of those other clubs go down for those young up-and-comers. So, well, boys, we alluded to it earlier on in the pod. Uh, European football returns, right? So we've got Champions League that returns on Tuesday, Wednesday. We get the Europa League that kicks off on Thursday. But one of the you know, weird nuances, again, that we're continuing to have to deal with are the different restrictions that some of the European countries have with regards to coming over the border for quarantine purposes and such. And so we're going to have a lot of matches here next week and the week after that are going to be played at neutral sites. And so, you know, uh, I mean, I think it's affecting both of our clubs. Uh, Barrett, I'll start with you with regards to Liverpool uh, in, in their match. But, uh, you know, we, we don't we don't really know how this is going to play out, but you would think it, it, it's going to have to have some impact on the clubs and on the teams because, you know, you, you typically, you, you want that home match, right? So you want to be playing at Anfield, you want to be playing at Old Trafford, but but your thoughts on this and maybe what we can expect uh, from an impact standpoint or or if it is going to have any impact at all. You know, in a, in a normal year, um, you know, I would put a lot more stock in that, um, but without fans, I, I just don't know that it makes that much of a difference, right? I mean, Anfield without fans is not Anfield. Um, Old Trafford without fans is not Old Trafford. So uh, as you mentioned, the the uh, Liverpool-Leipzig first leg has been, uh, I guess, you know, you can't travel from the UK to Germany, so they've moved that one to uh, Budapest, Hungary. And uh, just kind of a a story I saw earlier earlier today, um, I guess the German government has advised that even the Leipzig players can't travel to Liverpool and then back home for the second leg. So they're working on a neutral venue for that one too. Um, so yeah, I mean, neither team is going to have a home match. They're both going to be a neutral site. So I, again, w- without fans there, I don't think it makes much difference. It's just going to be two neutral site games. Yeah, and, and Clayton, I'll throw it to you for Manchester United. Obviously, they, they're squaring up with Real Sociedad, and that's going to be played, uh, I believe, at Juventus uh, Stadium. So, I mean, yeah. I guess it's kind of cool that we're going to get to go to uh, to Turin to play there because obviously we're not going to get there from a Champions League standpoint. But, uh, you know, it would, it would seem to be tit for tat that if one club – in a two-legged affair is going to lose a home match, then then the other club probably should as well, right? So you would anticipate that maybe both matches are going to be played at neutral sites, right? Yeah, I, I would assume so. I mean, I mean, like you, Barrett, like you said, if there's no fans in the stands, it's not that much of a difference. Except, I mean, for the home team, there's you you, you don't have that travel either. So, um, I mean, if, if you put it neutral, I think that's you know at least uh, an advantage or not an advantage. I think. It, you know, levels the playing field as far as, you know, that day of travel to kind of get to that stadium and get set up and then obviously play the game. Um, if, if, if it does come back to home, someone's home, then, I mean, yeah, there's a little bit of an advantage there as far as the travel, but you have to, you, you already have to do that, you know, when you actually have to go to those home places anyway. So, I mean, it depends. I mean, you would like that non-travel day if you're at home, but I mean, at the end of the day, these aren't normal times. So, I mean, you got to kind of pick up and, you know, pick up the slack and try to try to get some points out of it or not some points, but try to get a result out of it and uh, bring it to the next neutral site field. Yeah, along those lines from the other English clubs affected, Arsenal and Benfica will obviously be be rescheduled as well. It uh, looks like the first leg is going to be in Rome at the Stadio Olimpico, and then the second leg will be there in Athens, uh, Greece, uh, on February 25th. That would have been the home leg for Arsenal uh, from the London's uh, Emirates Stadium as well. So, yeah, something to keep an eye and, on. Uh, oh, go, go ahead, Bert. Yeah, and don't, don't forget uh, Manchester City and uh, – uh, Mönchengladbach. Uh, right. They'll be playing uh, also in Budapest 
And you have to assume that second leg will also be neutral site. Yep, that's fair. Well, well let's get into it, boys. So uh, Tuesday, we'll be here before we know it. Uh, from a Champions League standpoint, you know, we've got a glamour tie, at least what we would anticipate to be a glamour tie, uh, kind of highlighting the action on Tuesday afternoon. Barcelona hosting PSG. Now, we alluded to it earlier in the pod, Clayton, that uh, that Neymar will not be available for this game. Again, for whatever reason, they played him in a you know domestic cup tie against some you know fourth tier team and he gets hurt right hip injury adductor uh, muscle injury uh you know your thoughts on barcelona psg i'll start with you clayton you know these two have seemed to have been paired uh, with one another in the knockout stages for the champions league it seems like the last five years in a row or something but makes for a great storyline coming into it right Oh, yeah, obviously. I mean, we, we saw one of the biggest uh, comebacks of um, probably, you know, I think the biggest comeback in Champions League history for, for their second leg. Um, Barca coming back, I think it was 6-1 to... That's five-goal difference, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, overcome uh, the goal differential. Um, but, I mean, it, it, this is this is almost kind of like a final-esque setup here. I mean, you got two two massive uh, clubs and two massive names. I mean, you got, you got star power all over the field, except for Neymar, but you still have Mbappe and you have a couple others. Um, that'll, that'll definitely make some great headlines. Um, as far as like who advances in this, I'm, I'm looking at kind of the tables right now and both PSG and Barca are third within their respective leagues at the moment. Um, I know Barca lost the other day. I believe in one of the Copa del Rey. Uh, I don't know if it was the final or semifinal, um, but I mean, in, at the end of the day, I think PSG will make it through. Um, I, I just think they have more more talent as far as um, more experience as well. Um, but it'll be definitely a great game to watch as a neutral. Well, along those lines, let me ask you this, Clayton: Lionel Messi. Obviously, been in the news over the last twelve months with regards to contracts and you know contract terms being leaked here most recently. If PSG knock Barcelona out of the Champions League, will it be the last Champions League match he plays for Barcelona? Man, I hope so. I just want to see him somewhere else. I just want to see him in a different league. Uh, I think it would be interesting for a lot of people um, to kind of see him move somewhere else and not just stay at Barcelona. I mean, he's, he's won so much. He's accomplished so much there. I mean, see if he can do it somewhere else. You know, I know he's aging. He's, what, 33, uh, 34, somewhere in there? Yep, yep. He's, he's mid-30s, yeah. I, w- I would say he's got a couple more years left um, to kind of go out and prove somewhere else. I mean, I, he definitely has the talent to do so. Um, it, it would definitely be interesting. And then, like you said, to just answer your question, yes, um, I think he's gone. Okay, all right. Well, well, Barrett, let's throw it to your club, Liverpool. Uh, RB Leipzig. Now, Liverpool obviously in, in a tough moment right now, right? They're not playing their best football. We, we've talked, you know, about the injury concerns and the issues that they've had, you know, not just recently, but really over the from the start of this new campaign going all the way back to September. You know, what do you expect from Jurgen Klopp in your side whenever they take on Leipzig, who again was a, was a semifinalist last year in the Champions League, right? Yep. Um, you know, you look at Liverpool's form, you know, since Christmas, right? I think it's been nine matches. Um, They've taken nine points from those nine matches, right? That's uh, pretty abysmal for a club of that stature. But uh, I I read an article today about um, expected points, uh, you know, per game. And Liverpool have underperformed their expected points by six and a half over that period. So I guess, you know, some uh, nerdy mathematician looks at the stats and determines, you know, okay, uh, this much possession, this many shots, this many chances, et cetera. You know, it should be a win for this team or that team. 
uh, Liverpool should have had 15 uh, points over those nine games. So I, my, my point being, they're not playing as bad as the results uh, would lead you to believe. Uh, that 4-1 loss to City, uh, as I mentioned earlier, I was actually somewhat content with that result, with that not with the result, but with the performance. So I, I don't think we're in panic mode. Um, you know, Leipzig, they've got a solid team. As you mentioned, they made the semifinal. Um, they've got uh, two really good defenders uh, up in Meccano. Uh, a lot of uh, big-time clubs are planning to make a swoop for him in the summer. Um, and I, I don't recall his uh, center-back partner there, but he's also drawn some interest. So it'll be difficult. Uh, they'll be tough to break down. I think on this first um, neutral site game all the way in uh, Hungary, I think it's going to be a – relatively cagey affair. I, I like it to end in a draw, 0-0 or 1-1. Uh, but then that uh, return leg, which would be, I guess, the the quote-unquote home game for Liverpool, probably be played uh, you know, a little bit closer to home, maybe Amsterdam or Norway or somewhere like that. I think Liverpool will come back and get the second leg to advance. Okay, all right. So you heard it here. Liverpool and PSG to advance uh, to the quarterfinals from those two uh, slates, but you know we go to Wednesday, guys. Not not quite as sexy, you know. I, I would you know Juventus against Porto. You, obviously, you would expect Juventus uh, to be the favorite and move on there. And then maybe the more interesting tie, Sevilla against Borussia Dortmund. You know, Dortmund obviously going to be a favorite in that one, but Sevilla has shown that they they can be a tough out. You know, we think about what uh, the success that they've had uh, in European football over the last few years. But you know, your thoughts on that? Any reason to believe that Juventus and Dortmund don't move on? into the quarterfinals from these two uh, matches? Yeah, I mean, Juventus, uh, again, we talked about PSG and uh, Barcelona both sitting third in their domestic leagues. Um, that's right where Juve sit. Um, you know, Porto's in second in the uh, Portuguese Liga, but uh, well behind uh, sporting. So, you know, both teams may be underperforming a little bit. So sporting, or not sporting, uh, Porto just have that Champions League giant killer they history did. behind yep. them, right? Yep. Um, so many, so many times they just sneak up and knock, knock one of the favorites out. You know, maybe they, they don't go and make a deep run into the tournament, but they do knock out a big name that you expect to advance. So yeah, I could see Porto getting a result. And then uh, Sevilla and Dortmund, Dortmund is not playing well this year. So I think Sevilla is definitely in play in that match. Yeah, I mean, that might be good for Manchester United, Clayton, with regards to their efforts to secure uh, Jaden Sancho in the uh, the offseason from a summer perspective. But who, who, do you, who do you like in these two slates here, Clayton? So uh, Juventus versus Porto, Sevilla against Dortmund. Um, I'll take I'll take Juventus um, over Porto, just given that, you know, they have the uh, Cristiano Ronaldo factor there. So, um, and, and, and they are third in the league, um, in, 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 their respective league. Um, it'd be interesting. I mean, Porto is second in their league. It just, it all, I'll take Juventus just because of the experience and the star power. Now, obviously they have way more star power than Porto, but like you said, Barrett, I mean, it could be an upset, but at the end, I think Juventus will, will move forward. And then Sevilla and Dortmund, I mean, uh, you know, Barrett, you touched on it earlier. I mean, Dortmund have not been um, performing to expectations, really. Um, and I can see this as, as a potential upset, uh, Sevilla taking over uh, Dortmund. So give me Juventus and Sevilla going forward. 
Okay. Yeah, you guys mentioned it. You know, Serie A, the Italian league, has been really interesting to follow. Obviously, this, this is a podcast that's focused uh, on the EPL. But uh, I'll tell you, you know, you got AC Milan, Inter Milan, Juventus. You know, you, you've got Roma, Lazio, all these clubs that are uh, kind of up there fighting for it. And so, yeah, it, that's been a kind of a fun follow there behind the scenes. I know we've talked about it a little bit off the pod and stuff, but uh, yeah, keep an eye on the race there in Serie A. That's going to be fun uh, as it kind of. Uh, gets closer to May and kind of draws to a conclusion there. So, well, well, Clayton, I'll, I'll go back to you, bud. So let's talk about our club. Obviously, again, not where we want to be playing on Thursday evenings in Europe uh, again this season. But Manchester United, I mean, this is not an easy draw, bud. So Real Sociedad, you know, they're they're kind of punching above their weight in La Liga this year. And whenever we got the draw, you know, a couple months ago now, whatever it's been, it was kind of like, ugh, that's probably – one of the worst teams that we could draw in the in the first round of 32 here. But, you know, United obviously playing much better now uh, than, than what they were during, um, you know, October, November, uh, when you think about the qualifying uh, games for the, uh, the group stage of the Champions League. But, you know, your thoughts on this one and what to expect from Manchester United on Thursday. Yeah, I mean, Real Sociedad, um, they barely got into the knockout uh, stages, if you, if you recall. I mean, they only drew three times and won two games, but – the total amount of goals they scored was five. So, I mean, they, they really had some luck going through um, as far as being able to kind of cle- keep those clean sheets and, you know, advance on um, on points. But on the other hand, I mean, United got knocked out, but they were able to score 15 goals against greater competition. Um, you know, it, it's something that you got to kind of prioritize too with uh, – with United in the FA Cup as well. Um, I fully expect, you know, obviously to have the full squad going out there and try to, you know, win this uh, Europa League championship. But um, it'll be interesting to see, you know, as far as, you know, the type of lineups that we take out there, um, how defensive we might be. Um, But on the other hand, I think, I think United can, uh, can advance here. I think it's a good opportunity for them to make it onto the next round. Nice. This is this is kind of a fun matchup for me. It takes me back to you know a little bit of a stroll down memory lane, guys. One of the very first Champions League match I ever watched at Old Trafford was Manchester United hosting Real Sociedad. I think it was it was in the fall of. 2013, I think Wayne Rooney scored a goal like in the first minute or something, and United won one nil. So it's a, kind of a, a fun pairing here from a, from a memory standpoint. But you know, Barrett, I'll go to you for the other three English sides in this competition: uh, Leicester City against uh, Slavia Prague, Tottenham Hotspur against Wolfsburger. Again, Wolfsburger, not not Wolfsburg, right? So this is the Austrian club, not the uh, not the German club. Uh, different green W here, and then obviously we we alluded to it earlier: Arsenal against Benfica. Arsenal-Benfica, probably the glamour tie, if there is one, of these other three squads, right? Yeah. Um, you know, I like Leicester. Uh, you know, they're, they're having a good season. They're playing well. They should always uh, be favored above a, a, a Czech team, pretty much, as a general rule. Um, Wolfsburger and Spurs, I don't know. I, I've just got a feeling that this one, uh, you know, just as poorly as Spurs have been playing, that uh, Wolfsburger may uh, sneak up and bite him in that one. And then for Benfica and Arsenal, Arsenal are playing better, but they better be on upset alert. I'm going to go ahead and pick Arsenal, but uh, I don't feel good about it. Nice. So, so maybe two of the English clubs might go down in this round of 32 here. So, so I like it. I like. It. I'm with you. I think Leicester does uh, advance 
you know, perhaps not easily per se, but I think they do advance comfortably uh, over a Prague. And then I'm with you, Wolfsburger Spurs. That has upset written all over it. So I, I I'm, I Spurs are in a rough moment right now. So they keep yep. an eye on that one. And that, you know, if, if you think uh, uh, Jose's post match uh, interviews are interesting now, <laughs> if they get knocked out against Wolfsburger, it uh, might take it to a new level there. So, well, we'll be looking an eye or keeping an eye on that and looking forward to it on Thursday uh, afternoon. Uh, should be fun to watch, boys. So, well, well, guys, you know, let's look. Look ahead to the weekend now, match week 24 again, you know, whether 22, 23, depending upon your particular club, uh, but we've got some big matches coming up here and, and Barrett, I'll stay with you. Perhaps one of the biggies of the weekend is Lester hosting your Liverpool side. And again, this is, this is a top, top four, top three uh, from a table standpoint here. Lester been playing uh, much, much better here over the last few weeks, but obviously you've got the tie-in, you know, former manager Brendan Rodgers and all the other storylines going into it, but your thoughts on Lester and Liverpool uh, kicking things off on Saturday, bud. Yeah, when you and when you think about Lester, um, you know, they've they've been without, you know, their, uh, you know, main guy, Jamie Vardy, um, right. as well as uh, one of their kind of anchors in midfield, uh, Wilfred Ndidi. Both of those guys have been um, either in their last Premier League or in the uh, FA Cup match have come on as substitutes. So they're both kind of being worked back in. So uh, definitely a, a stronger Leicester side than we've seen the last couple of weeks. For Liverpool, though, after that City game, um, I think now that that's behind them, you'll start to see those new center backs worked in. I think at least one of those uh, guys play this weekend alongside Fabinho in defense, allowing Henderson to get back up into that midfield and kind of anchor that and kind of be that motor that drives the attack forward. Um, I don't know. Vardy is back, as I mentioned, but I, I, I just feel like Liverpool have probably fared a little bit better than most in containing him over the years. And of course, maybe that's because they have center backs like Virgil van Dyke back there uh, kind of shadowing him and shutting him down. And, uh, I don't know, call it a hunch. I think they'll be able to wrap him up uh, like they have the last couple of years. Um, and then with Hendo in the midfield, it really opens things up for that front three. I like Liverpool with a 2-0 win. 2-0 win to Liverpool. Hey, Clayton, Clayton, yeah, I'll throw it to you, bud. Your thoughts on this one. Um, yeah, it's a good opportunity for Liverpool to get in third place based on, you know, goal differential. I mean, Leicester did suffer an injury blow to right back uh, James Justins in, in, that, uh, in their FA Cup tie. And he's been playing Brighton. really well, too. Yep. yep. Yeah. And it's also true that, you know, Jota is back in training, too. So I don't know if he gets an appearance or a run out uh, right before Champions League. Um, obviously, they kind of want to – I would expect them to kind of break him in in the EPL, then, you know, sit him out in the uh, Champions League there. But I, I heard he's still a couple of weeks from playing. Oh, he's still, okay. But, he, but, yeah, but he's, is, yeah, he's back in training. Okay. Yeah. He is back in training, though. Okay. Um, and then, you know, obviously Liverpool are going to feel the pressure a little bit, too, because, I mean, you got one uh, – you got Chelsea just right behind and one one point off of them. And, and I, I think Liverpool have no choice in trying to go for this one. Um, obviously, it's going to be like that from here on out. Um, so, I think – Liverpool, there's going to be a sense of urgency there, and I think they will respond this week and get a 2-1 victory over Leicester. Yep, I've got the same scoreline. I was going to pick Liverpool 2-1 as well. Uh, uh, Barrett, I'll say that I think Jamie Vardy does score a goal, but that, that one goal will not be enough. I, I think Liverpool get two. I like Liverpool to win this one, take all three points 2-1. So, well, well, Clayton, let's go. Uh, I'm going to stay with you. We're going to head down to the Hawthorns. Manchester United traveling down to take on Big Sam and West Brom. 
these are the types of games that scare the shit out of me from a United <laughs> fan perspective. They're they're clearly favored. They should clearly win. But you know, this has all the feels of United dropping points here. Tell me I'm wrong, bud. I, I I'm gonna say you're wrong here. Um, I mean, there's no there's no game that they're gonna look over. I mean, yeah, they have Real Sociedad um, in, in the next week, but I don't think that's something they're gonna look over as far as you know someone in the Premier League. And their next game is against Newcastle, so there's no. I don't think this should be a trap game, quote unquote. Um, you know, after that disappointing, you know, points or uh, one point against Everton, I think they're going to be eager to get out there and, you know, also, um, you know, have some of the other guys come in. You had Pogba um, injured last game. Um, it's going to be interesting who fills in that spot. Either Matic or McTominay are going to go in. Um, but whoever's going to be in that center midfield position outside of, you know, the attacking horses that are up front, I think it'll be somewhat comfortable um, to do kind of their work in front of those guys or, you know, the defensive work. So I think United come out with some more urgency this week, um, given where they're at in the table. So uh, give me a 3-0 victory for United this week. Ah, an emphatic win for United. Barrett, do you agree? Your thoughts on this one, bud? Yeah, I do. Um, you know, West Brom will be parking that proverbial bus in front of goal and, you know, hoping to get one or two chances on the break. But I, I just don't see it happening. I don't think they can get one past Dean Henderson in goal. And uh, I think United just have too much firepower on the other end. I got 3-0 as well. Wow, so foreshadowing there. Dean Henderson in goal, huh, Barrett? All right. So, yeah, I like <laughs> I that. I like that. Was- that was one of my talking points. I forgot to mention that, but yeah, I was gonna. It's gonna be interesting to see who's in goal. So um, I hope it is Dean Henderson, um, but we'll see. Well, I hope you guys are both right. I, I think the first fifteen minutes of this uh, of this match will be telling, boys. So if United can get a goal and kind of break down that, as, as you mentioned it, Barrett, you know, we'd expect West Brom are going to have eleven behind the ball. You know, we've seen United struggle with that, right? So whenever they play teams that are a little more open and allow them to play off the counter, they they've typically had much much more success whenever they play these teams that pack it in. Um, you know, and then you know, God forbid if West West Brom gets a goal from a set piece in the first 20 or 30 minutes, then I think we're really in trouble here. So, but uh, I don't feel so good about it, guys. I've got it as a boring, ugly, nil-nil draw. I think United probably has 75% of possession and probably 25 shots, but probably only two or three on target. And so, but I'm, I'm, I'm going to disagree. I think De Gea gets the start. I don't think Ole's going to pull him just yet, but I think that we are teetering on that uh, precipice. I think that will happen before the season is over with. Uh, but I don't think it happens this weekend. So I, I hope you boys are right and I'm wrong, uh, but I've got the willies about this one. So uh, kind of go rapid fire here, guys, because we're, we're, we're getting up against it and we want to get into fantasy picks. But, you know, Barrett, I'll start with you. Arsenal versus Leeds. This one should be entertaining, right? So, but who you got in this one? I mean, you all know how much I love Leeds and uh, how critical we've all been of Arsenal. But, uh, you know, after seemingly figuring things out, Arsenal are winless in their last three, highlighted by that dual red card game uh, against Wolves. I still think Arsenal are improved and playing better and that the uh, red cards were an anomaly. And I think they'll have just a little bit too much for Leeds. I like Arsenal 2-1. 2-1 to the Gunners. Uh, Clayton, your thoughts on this one, bud? Not so fast. Um, I think Leeds are obviously Leeds and at least consistent in what they do as far as attacking and going forward. Um, there will be goals in this game. Um, I want to give the edge to Leeds, given the way that they have been at least consistent. Um, and Arsenal starting kind of that downward trend again. So 
There will be goals. Uh, give me a 3-2 victory for Leeds. Nice. I'm going to go the other way. I think there will be goals as well. Give me 3-2 Arsenal. I think this one's going to be fun to watch and should be pretty open and entertaining. And, hell, we might get a red card too. So that's always <laughs> fun whenever these two squads get together. Well, let's jump ahead to Monday, boys, before we come back for the biggie on Saturday evening. Chelsea hosting Newcastle. Barrett, I'll throw it to you first. Chelsea seem to be, you know, kind of getting their groove under Tuchel. But, you know, Steve Bruce and Newcastle have been playing pretty well as well. Uh, you alluded to it earlier yeah Chelsea have uh, three wins in a row after that uh, draw in Tuchel's first game um, but man they they're not very exciting to watch um, but it's hard to argue with those results uh, Newcastle actually a little bit better winning two out of the last three creating some space between them and the relegation zone but I just don't see how they score against Tuchel's side who have only conceded one goal in four matches uh, give me Chelsea one nil one nil to the Blues Clayton your thoughts on this one bud yeah, I mean, I, it, obviously, um, Tuchel, I mean, I think he kind of turned it around, especially especially in the defensive half, right? So, um, you know, like you said, Barry, only conceding one goal in four games, um, it would be hard to kind of pick him. And then also you have, you know, some of the red cards that are going to show up for Newcastle as well. Um, I don't think they have the, the, the power um, to overcome Chelsea and their attacking prowess. So give me a 2-0 victory for Chelsea. 2-0 to Chelsea. I, I'm, I'm going to split the difference and, and, and go with Barrett here, I guess. I, I, I say split the difference, but Barrett, you had 1-0. Uh, give me 1-0 as well. So I'm with you. I think Chelsea, much more compact, much more solid at the back under Tuchel's guidance as opposed to Lampard, although they're not quite as sexy and fun to watch going forward. But I do think they'll create enough uh, to get at least one goal and get all three points here. So I agree with you, boys. Uh, Chelsea take the points, and I'll go 1-0. So, well, the biggie boys of the weekend has to be Saturday uh, Saturday lunchtime here, Saturday evening uh, over uh, across the pond. Manchester City, we talked about it, 15 wins in a row in all competitions, hosting Jose Mourinho in Spurs, a Spurs team that are, are struggling. There's no other way to, to classify it. Obviously, they get Harry Kane back, um, and it wasn't enough to overcome Everton midweek in the FA Cup. But, Barrett, I'll start with you. City against Spurs, is it 16 in a row here, bud? And City, as you mentioned, they, they just continue to roll, and Spurs have lost four out of the last five. So really none of us should be picking anything other than a comfortable City win, right? Uh, not so fast. Spurs are desperate. This looks like a classic trap for City coming off the big win at Anfield. Makeup game with Everton three days later. They got Champions League looming uh, midweek the following week. I think Spurs can get one early on the break and then park the bus. Uh, City will find a way to equalize, but uh, I don't see him finding the winner. I got a 1-1 draw. 1-1 draw. Clayton, your thoughts on this one, bud? Man, I really, really want Spurs to pull pull this one off and kind of get the upset here, but I don't think that's going to happen. Um, like you said, I think I think Harry Kane or, or Son will get like an early goal, but I think, uh, I think City are going to rally back and have two. So give me a 2-1 victory for City. Two ones uh, to City. They get all three points, 16 in a row. Man, I'm telling you, this. I think, Barrett, you're right in the analysis in the sense that this sets up perfectly for Jose Mourinho, right? So they, they played open and they lost, and so now he, maybe he has a little bit of a, uh, an opportunity to say, look, guys, we can't play this way. We have to play my way, and if we play my way, we could beat these guys. And so I, I think this may be a rallying cry game here uh, for Spurs. You know, obviously, they got Kane and Son back, so they are going to be dangerous on the counter. City's going to dominate possession, you know, try to play an open game and allow them to probably get a few counterattacks here and there. And so 
I'm with you guys. I, I've got this as a one-one draw, uh, I, and I think it's going to be fun to watch. And and it might there might probably going to be some controversy at the end if I had to guess as well. Whenever you get Pep and Jose together, uh, nothing uh, but uh, nothing short uh, of fireworks. Typically, whenever those two guys are uh, paroling uh, the sidelines there, but uh, I'm I'm looking forward to this one, and, and I'm with you. I think Spurs are in such a desperate moment. In City, they're not going to win every match uh, from here until May. I mean, God, I hope not anyway. So uh, so they got to drop some points somewhere. So I think this might be the uh, the weekend that they do it. So uh, fingers crossed on that. But, well, guys, let's get into some fantasy uh, lineups. I mean, I had to, to check the score three times uh, this past week, guys. Clayton actually won from a pod pick'em standpoint. So I, I did. I confirmed it. It was three times, uh, you know, checking the scores to make sure that I hadn't missed anything. I had an offer. So we all had pretty good picks this past week. I will say that I had very high scores. We were, you know, all would have been in the 900s. I was 888 uh, with an offer there. But uh, Clayton, congratulations, bud. So we'll tee you up. Start at the back. Who, who's going to be in goal for you this weekend from a fantasy perspective, bud? Um, I'm picking Ederson, uh, Manchester City against uh, the Spurs. Um, you know, even though they, they'll get some counterattacking options, I think Ederson will be equal to kind of any saves or any kind of chances that they do create. All right, Barrett, you were second, man. You, you get to go second. Who, who you got? I'm going to take uh, Nick Pope with Burnley, uh, playing against Crystal Palace. Uh, I think uh, Palace will have a, a chance to break a few times and get some shots at him. But, man, Pope is really good. I, I like him to rack up the saves this week. Okay, like that pick. And Pope, again, he's very underrated from a goalkeeper standpoint. So uh, I'm going to go with Aston Villa's Emiliano Martinez. Aston Villa uh, on the road against Brighton. So, again, Brighton, one of those teams that are just good enough to create some chances so you get some saves, but maybe not quite clinical enough in their finishing to put up a bunch of goals here. So I'm going to go with Martinez in my uh, uh, as my goalkeeper for this uh, this weekend. But, Clayton, throw it back to you, bud. Four guys at the back. Who are you going to go with on the uh, the defensive side? So I have Luke Shaw. Obviously, they'll be playing, you know, West Brom, which are going to pack in that, pack in 11 players in front of the goal. But I think he's going to be able to kind of whip in crosses here and there, and that's kind of where that service will come from. Um, hopefully, one landing on Wink Wink, one of my guys that I do have picked uh, for my forwards. But, um, yeah, he's going to have a lot, of, uh, a lot of space, a lot of time to kind of whip in crosses and provide service. So maybe an assist out of that. Um, my next guy has got to be John Stones. Um, obviously, Manchester City are going to have a lot of possession in this game against Spurs, so he won't have much to deal with unless they decide to counter. Um, you'll see a lot of him racking up the stats um, as far as being able to get the completed passes. Um, and then Yuri Mina, um, I kind of like the matchup against Fulham. I think Fulham will obviously try to keep that one cagey as well. And obviously he's a threat on set pieces. So um, I like him, you know, going forward and maybe nicking a goal here, but, you know, obviously trying to keep a clean sheet too. And then I had Ben Shilwell. Um, I like the matchup with him going forward against Newcastle. Newcastle are going to do the same thing and throw guys behind the ball. And he's going to be one of those guys that's, you know, in the wing trying to provide that width and that space to kind of whip in crosses or, you know, even score himself. So, um, those are my back four for this week. Like those picks, uh, Barrett. I'll throw it to you for your back four. You like Chillwell as well, right? Yeah, yeah. I always like Chillwell, um, <laughs> and for, for the, the same reasons, he's always uh, that attacking threat. Um, I've also got uh, Ruben Diaz for Manchester City. Um, again, City are going to have all the ball, like Clayton mentioned. Uh, they're going to be knocking around. He'll be racking up those passing stats. 
Um, and he's just a really good defender. Uh, other than the PK he gave to uh, Mo last week, uh, he's been solid all year. Um, then I'll take uh, uh, Yannick Vestigard for uh, Southampton playing against Wolves. Um, I, just, I just think Southampton are a better team. Wolves are just – I think I'm at the point where they're just not as good as we thought they were going to be. Um, so uh, he's that you know big, lanky guy. He's going to get up there on the set pieces and maybe get something. Uh, and then give me Aaron Wan-Bissaka for uh, United playing against West Brom. Uh, he'll be throwing those crosses in opposite Luke Shaw all day, and uh, hopefully they find their target. I'm with you. I'm going to go with Aaron Wan-Bissaka as well. I'm going to piggyback on that. Again, both the United fullbacks have been playing pretty well here recently, and, and Wan-Bissaka showed more going forward in that draw against Everton uh, this past weekend than he's shown in quite some time. So maybe something's starting to click there. Uh, I'm going to go back to tried and true uh, on the left side, Aaron Cresswell, uh, West Ham. Again, just one of the uh, more underrated scoring uh, fullbacks from a fantasy standpoint. Give me Michael Keane uh, of Everton in the center. And then I'm going to go with slabhead uh, Harry Maguire for Manchester United. Again, I think he'll probably take some of the blame uh, for giving up that last second goal against Everton uh, this past weekend. I think he'll try to atone for it. And again, West Brom probably not going to offer a ton moving forward there. So maybe even uh, Maguire gets a, a goal from a set piece too. So so I, I'll go with Maguire as my fourth guy. Uh, Clayton, let's go back to you, bud. Middle of the park, three midfielders. Who's it going to be? So I have Rafinha. Uh, obviously, again, the matchup kind of favors him as well. I mean, it is going to be an open game against Arsenal. And he is dangerous, uh, very decisive, um, great winger to kind of bring into the game and, and kind of open up some space for either an assist or a goal. He definitely has goal-scoring prowess written all over him from the midfield. And then I have Ilkay Gundawan going up against Spurs. Obviously, he'll see a lot of the ball, a lot of, uh, a lot of uh, passes here and there, and hopefully maybe nicking in an assist or even kind of hopefully stepping up for the PK if, if, if one does arise. And then also uh, Bruno Fernandez. Um, you know, obviously I like him to, you know, Wes, uh, sorry, <clears throat> West Brom's going to be, you know, obviously packing in the box. Um, and, and if we do find a penalty, um, obviously he'll be the one to convert it um, or even unlock the defense with a pass. So look for those guys going forward. That's my top three in the midfield. Yeah. Barrett, you agree with uh, with Clayton on Manchester United's Bruno Fernandes, right? So th- this has got to be a tough yeah. pick for you, bud. Yeah, it is, and especially <laughs> after picking uh, Aaron Juan Basaka for a uh, defender there. So, yeah, like uh, Clayton said, they're going to have all the ball. Um, they're going to be picking and probing, trying to find something that usually happens through Bruno in, in some form or fashion. Uh, I've also got James Ward-Prowse uh, for Southampton uh, against Wolves. Uh, talked about uh, Vestigard uh, already, but, you know, James Ward-Prowse, he's kind of the, the engine in that midfield. He makes things happen. He takes all the set pieces, uh, and he's a threat to score from anywhere on the pitch. And then uh, I like my guy uh, Thomas Suchek to rebound after that sending off and the rescinded red card uh, against Sheffield United. Uh, that guy's just been on fire all season, uh, leading the team in goals from a midfield role. Um, so like uh, – that matchup against Sheffield. 
The man crush on Suchek continues. I love it, Barrett. So you're standing by your man. Good, good choice there. Uh, I'm, I'm going to go with Jack Grealish of Aston Villa. Start off with him in the mid. And I know he can be either a midfield or forward. He's got dual uh, uh, roles there in most fantasy leagues. But I like that matchup with, with Brighton. Again, I think that game may be relatively open. Uh, I like Aston Villa to, to maybe get two or three goals in this one. And, again, he's going to be at the heart of whatever that they probably do. Uh, kind of going down the board here, a little, a little different, but give me Dex. Declan Rice of West Ham, guys. So, you know, I, I like what he's been able to. Again, he's not a guy that's super flashy uh, from a, a going forward standpoint, but his command of the game, you know, a lot of touches, a lot of passes, a lot of tackles there in the center of the park from a midfielder position. They play Sheffield United, which, again, they've been playing much better, uh, but you would anticipate that uh, that West Ham can can probably get the three points there at home. Uh, and then give me uh, Saka, uh, the young uh, winger, young midfielder for, for Arsenal there. Uh, again, I think that Arsenal-Leeds match is going to be wide open. I picked it Arsenal 3-2. I think there's going to be goals there. And he's been playing more frequently uh, for Mikel Arteta in that Gunner side. And so I think he's starting to trust the youngster here. And uh, and I think he'll be influential for Arsenal this weekend. So I'll go with Saka as my third guy in the midfield. But um, Clayton finishes off here, bud. Three attackers up front. Who's going to be bagging the goals this weekend, bud? Yeah, um, so I have Edison Cavani. Um, obviously, that Luke Shaw connection could be, you know, a, a key there to get an assist to Cavani. Um, obviously, he's good in the air. Um, obviously, a great scoring threat going forward. And, you know, if anything does come to him, he usually finishes it off. So um, that's who I have as my first pick. And then uh, Dominic Cavalluan, uh for Everton, uh, playing against Fulham. I like his... Uh, like his matchup there. Um, he, he usually just finds a way to unpick or, you know, nick a goal here and there against just, you know, out of nothing. So, I mean, he's been scoring uh, more and more recently, so there's no reason not to pick him in this matchup. And then I have Mason Mount. Um, you could either plug him in as a midfielder or a forward. Um, I know he's been starting kind of on the left or the right wing for Tuchel um, this past couple of games, and he's kind of been that guy to – you know, he's been that engine kind of going forward, too, and being able to kind of finish off uh, some of their goal-scoring threats and obviously scoring as well. Um, so I do like his matchup going against Newcastle. Um, you know, people that are going to be able to kind of pack it in the box, but he he's one of those guys that kind of can unlock uh, that defense and, and nick a goal. Barrett, how about you, bud? Who are your three guys up top? Uh, I've got uh, you, you played him in midfield, Keith, but I'll take Jack Grealish and I'll start him as a forward. Uh, I, I just love that Villa matchup against Brighton. Um, I agree with Clayton on Dominic Calvert-Lewin. That guy's back uh, scoring goals nearly every time out again. Uh, he got in that uh, form earlier in the season. It did him uh, him well as well as Everton well. So uh, like that to continue against Fulham. And then give me Mo uh, Mo Salah against Leicester. Uh, the guy's leading the league in scoring. Uh, or in goals, so um, they're going to need it uh, this week against Leicester. So I hope he uh, pulls through. Okay. Well, my my three guys up top. I think it's I think the good run and good Bamford is going to continue for Patrick Bamford there for Leeds. Again, we talked about that that matchup against Arsenal. It's going to be open. There's going to be goals. I think Bamford gets at least one of those. Maybe even has an assist as well. 
I'm going to go with Harry Kane, and, and I know that Spurs are up against it against Manchester City. The The chances might be few and far between, but again, I like Spurs to nick one, maybe even two, who knows, on the counterattack. And whenever you have Kane and Son together in that lineup, Spurs are a different animals, right? So Kane's been out for a few weeks with the ankle. He's back, seems to be healthy now, and uh, I think uh, he'll get on the score sheet in some way, shape, or form against City, and uh, maybe that'll be enough uh, to get a result there as well. And then, you know, I know I was very pessimistic about United's chances against West Brom. Not chances to win the game, but just chances to create. If they're going to create something, I think it's going to come down to Marcus Rashford out on the wing, kind of getting in behind, perhaps on some sort of counter, if we can you know, find a way to get West Brom to move forward and kind of open up some space down the back. Again, Rashford, he, he is... Statistically, from a fantasy standpoint, he's still doing okay, uh, and uh, and I like him to to maybe you know find an assist, get a goal, get on the score sheet in some way, shape, or form. Again, I hope I'm wrong. I hope you guys are right. Uh, you both had United winning that three nil, and uh, and so I'll I'll roll with that from a fantasy perspective. So. Well, boys, you know, we're up over the hour mark here, and so I think that'll wrap it up for this episode. But for our listeners out there, you know, how can they get at you guys at Twitter? Barrett, I'll throw it to you first. Obviously, you're going to be tweeting about we got we got Champions League starting back next week. Uh, we've, we've got some big matches up over the weekend. I know you guys will be talking about it. How can they get at you at Twitter, bud? All right. You can find me on Twitter at Hartman underscore LFC. Um, hit me up. Uh, send me a message. I'll add you to our predictor league, which we haven't talked about yet this week. Um Thanks to that uh, last second Dominic Calvert-Lewin goal for Everton against United, uh, that that moved that result to a draw, which got me four points, uh, which is exactly how many I beat Clayton by. So another win for me gives me 16 on the season. And I'll just go ahead and start adding you guys together. Uh, Combined, you guys have 11 wins, so congratulations. Yeah, teamwork, Clayton. We're going to take him down, bud. Yeah, um, and you can find me at McCluskey101. I wanted to throw in one thing. I'm exactly 100 points behind uh, Barrett in this league, um, but I am two points off of Keith, so watch out, Keith. I'm coming for you. <laughs> I can I can feel you breathing down the back of my neck, bud. Yeah, I've, I have been completely awful in the prediction. I've been awful all season long, but I did have kind of a little streak there where I was getting back into it, but that has gone by the wayside. I've been awful, awful for like the last month, so I'll, I'll try to figure some shit out, gang. So I, I apologize for these piss-poor efforts on the predictor. Uh, I've got I've got to do better. Got to do better. So, well, boys, again, I appreciate you riding shotgun with me. Again, kind of bad weather out there. I, I appreciate you guys kind of joining me via Zoom uh, over the interwebs here, uh, given that the, uh, the roads are kind of in a, a rough condition here in Oklahoma City, but hopefully the weather will kind of subside and we'll be able to be back in studio and have a couple of uh, cold brews uh, next week. So while this will wrap it up for this episode, gang, remember that the conversation doesn't end here. To keep it going and to also keep up with everything we're doing over at the Sports Pros Network, check us out at fantasysportspros.com or on Twitter at sports underscore pros. And remember, that's pros with an E, P-R-O-S-E. Enjoy the matches this weekend. We'll talk to you next week. Cheers. <laughs>